Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. Amen. Well, I am thrilled today. I'm thrilled today uh, to be jumping into a brand new series uh, this March and really excited today that we uh, are uh, across our campuses today in Esperanza Viva, which will meet in this space here in just a little bit in Spanish, in our new East Rock campus. We are today on the same literal page of scripture jumping into this new series today. And do you know that today our East Rock campus is four weeks old, four whole weeks old. That's what we're celebrating, right? We know some of our East Rock family is joining us online today, and I got the privilege of being there on site last week. We had 109 people in person last week in East Rock. That's not just people attending digitally, that's people showing up in person. God's doing stuff. God's doing stuff, not just here in this uh, space, uh, but we're called to be one church in multiple locations, and God's doing things all around this county, all around this community. Grateful for that today. I'm grateful for that today. And so today we're going to open the word. Uh, I, I want to begin today by acknowledging one thing quite, quite clearly that we value in our world right now. We love extra, don't we? We love extra. Like, I don't know, the last time that you thought about this, but, but we don't even have strength Tylenol anymore, right? We don't even have strength. We have extra strength, right? I dare you to find strength Tylenol. It doesn't even exist. We want extra strength because that's who we are. That's what we're about, right? We, we don't even like just coffee anymore. We want coffee with shots of espresso, and we want it extra hot. Why? Because we are a people of extra I would say amen, but some of you may not <laughs> say amen to that. But it's true, right? right? In fact, we don't just like extra. You know what we like? We like speed. We like speed. We demand it. We want a car with more horsepower. I don't even know what horsepower does, but I know I want more of it, right? We want to watch something, but we want to watch it instantly, right at our fingertips, right? We want to order something. We don't want to wait a week for it. We don't want to wait four days. We want it to show up at our door instantly, right? Because that's, we want to order groceries and drive up, and they bring it to our car. We love speed. Uh, we don't just want internet. We want high-speed internet. I don't want just 3G or 4G. I need 5G, and quite honestly, what's taking so long before 6G comes out? We want speed. I, over the last year, have been reading a little bit more, and I like audiobooks. Some of you are into that. Some of you aren't. But I listen, and, and you know, one of the most frustrating things about an audiobook is trying to listen to it on 1.0 speed, like, like normal speed, Right? I'm listening to it, and I'm like, who can listen to a book? It's like, the bird flies to the window. And then I'm like, come on. I'm more of a one-and-a-half speed kind of guy. In fact, in fact, you can do this, like, watching videos a lot of times on YouTube. You can speed it up. Have you ever been, anybody in real life, listening to somebody, and, and you love them, and you're there, and you're, not your spouse. Don't, and I'm not saying that, right? But I'm saying, like, in normal, you're listening to somebody, they're talking, and you're like, could we go to one-and-a-half speed on this? Could we speed it up a little bit? Get on, right? Because why, why we love speed. We love speed. Why do we do this? Why do we think this way? We love speed, and more is our favorite adjective. Instant is our favorite time frame. We are in the midst of the season of Lent, and you say, what, what is Lent? What is that about? It's the season that prepares us 
for Easter. In anticipation of Easter, the death and the resurrection of Jesus is so important to us that here's what we're going to do over this next few weeks. We're actually going to resist the urge. We're going to push back a little bit against that need for speed. We know Easter's coming, and Easter is such an important day, the most important day in the life of the believer. But it's our nature, right? We like speed, so we want to just kind of skip ahead. Can we get there already? But we don't want to miss the importance of the journey to get us there. I remember growing up, uh, we had kind of a weekly vacation that we would do. Uh, We went pretty much every year to the same beach, and we always went the last week. It was the week right before school started. And I grew up in Richmond. School started a little bit later there. And part of the reason we went that week is because it was cheaper, you know, whatever. But for me, it was kind of this special week of the summer where I always knew, even when it felt like summer was winding down, summer's not over until we go on vacation. There's so many great memories there of spending time with my grandparents and some extended family at the beach. But the worst part of vacation, at least as a kid, maybe as an adult, it might be the best part of vacation is going home. You're like done vacationing. But for a kid, that drive home is the worst part of vacation. And it was double for me. A, it was bad. A, it was bad because I knew vacation's over. But B, it was bad because I knew we got to start school when we get home. It was like, ah, it was just this dreadful feeling. I remember even as a little kid driving home from vacation. And I would think back to a great week that we had. But in my mind, I remember this like many times. I remember in my mind wishing, I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back to last Saturday. Remember we were packed up and we were ready and we were on the drive and we stopped. Like, I wish I could go back and just savor every single moment. And the reality is in that moment, I kind of realized that vacation doesn't start when you get there. Vacation starts the moment you leave the driveway. I, I wish I could go back and just savor every moment and make it last, right? Because the journey, the journey wasn't just about getting to the destination. The journey was the destination. And that's what this journey is for us. Over these next four weeks, on our journey to Resurrection Day, we're embarking on a series. It's called Road to the Cross. Road to the Cross. And we are intentionally setting aside the time to remind ourselves to pause, to reflect, to remember, to journey together And while we know the story, how the story ends, Easter's coming, good news is coming. We believe the journey is the destination, that the good news of Easter is not just about getting there, but about the journey. So today, let's begin the journey together. One of the biggest challenges as we talk about the road to the cross is is we don't really understand where the road to the cross begins, do we? that's a challenge. That's a challenge. See, for some of us, the road to the cross begins like on Palm Sunday. You remember the story as Jesus rides in on a donkey and they wave palm branches and shout Hosanna, signaling, and just a week later, just several days later, Jesus would be crucified. For many of us, that's where the road to the cross begins. For some, it's the Holy Week accounts in Scripture. Our staff right now, over these uh, 40 days of Lent, we're reading through the Scripture accounts. And for some of us, that's where the road to the cross begins. Or others, it, it was in that manger in Bethlehem, or maybe the gospel accounts in the New Testament. But the truth is, that's not where the road to the cross begins. We're going to begin today at the beginning. Well, well almost the beginning. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 today. 
and what is happening in the book of Genesis, in case you don't know, God creates and it is good. And it's good. And everything is as it should be. A holy God. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. What does it mean that God is holy? A holy God. And he has made everything good. And he creates the man, Adam, and the woman, Eve, in his image. In his image. And he blesses them and he invites them to be a part of caring for creation. Taking ownership of the world that he's created. Adam and Eve walk with God, like face to face, like, hey, God, let's go for a walk. Can you imagine that kind of intimacy they have with God? They walk with him. There's no fear and there's no shame and there's no brokenness or pain. It is beautiful and it is glorious just as God has intended it. God gives them everything they need, everything they could want. And there's one tree, millions of trees in the garden that can provide for them, that they can have the fruit of it. But there's one tree in the garden that God says you must not partake of, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And why does God do this? God gave them everything they needed. Would they trust him? Would they trust him to be provider? Or would they believe that the millions of trees that he's provided is not enough. That brings us to Genesis 3. If you have your copy of Scripture, your Version Bible app, we're going to spend some time here in the first 13 verses of Genesis 3, and we're going to stop and pause a few times. Uh, but join me, join me together as we dive into the Scripture, starting with verse 1 of Genesis 3. It says this, Now the serpent, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat? From any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die. I want to pause there in verse 4 for a minute and acknowledge that the first sin begins with the first lie. If you're familiar with this story, you know, you know that what the enemy is doing here is he's directly lying against what God did say. If you have your copy of Scripture, literally you just turn back one page. The enemy says you will not certainly die. But, but look back with me in Genesis 2, what God does say in verse 16. He says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. This is what God says. This is what he says. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For, this is what God says, remember? For when you eat from it, what? You will certainly die. This is what God says. Now, what does the enemy say in Genesis 3? What does the serpent say in Genesis 3, verse 4? You will not certainly die. You will not certainly die. And one three-letter lie. There it is right there. N-O-T. One three-letter lie changed the course of history. It changed the course of history. This is, this is still going on today, isn't it? The enemy of your soul. He, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. Right, right now, Right now, God is wanting to speak truth into your heart, but there's an enemy, there's a deceiver that is lying. Maybe it's loud, but, but maybe sometimes, but sometimes it's just a, a three-letter word. It's just, it's just kind of taking the truth and just spinning it just a little bit. Right now, right now, God is speaking to your heart. He's saying, you are loved, but the enemy of your soul is saying, you're not loved. You're, you're not loved. 
God is saying, you can find peace today in Christ. At the enemy of your soul saying, that's, that's not possible for you. See, this, this started in Genesis 3, but man, it's still happening today, isn't it? Let's keep reading verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, when the woman, when she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, pause just a second. Many of you might be familiar with the text. Many of you know exactly what's about to happen, but pause right here in this moment. If we were able to take this moment off the page and examine it, this is an important moment. Why? Because this is the final moment here on earth that people could really be free. This is the final moment that Eden, as God intended it, his creation existed as it was intended to be. This is the final moment before sin enters into the world and nothing would be the same after it. Verse 6, she took some and she ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the road to the cross begins. This isn't just their sin, their disobedience. This is, this is our sin. Sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve and all their children, including you and me, were born now infected with this sin nature. Let's continue reading. Then the eyes of them both were open. They realized they were naked. Right, right? So shame, instantly, they, they feel ashamed. They sewed fig leaves together, the text says, and they made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. Remember, they used to walk with him, arm in arm, hand in hand. But, but now, now as God comes, what do they do? They hear him coming in the garden and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me. We'll get to that. That's a whole other sermon, a whole other day, right? She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Sin began with the first lie that was told. And what did that lie do? Out of that lie, doubt took root. And out of that doubt, selfishness began to grow. And out of that selfishness, the fruit of that selfishness was disobedience. Disobedience to God. And out of that, things like fear and suffering and anxiety and sickness and disease take flight over the earth. If you continue reading in Genesis 3, the result of this sin, of this act of disobedience is a series of curses. And if you look around, what is the result of sin in our world today? It is a broken world. We are living today. Open your eyes. Look around. We are living in a broken world, aren't we? Sometimes we wrestle with this question. I, I have, I do often. God, how could a loving God 
allow such brokenness in our world. I mean, we see it every single day, don't we? And at times we just cry out, God, God, how could a loving God allow such brokenness all around us? We feel, we feel pain and, and division and despair. And we cry out, God, how could you allow this? And the answer is sin. It's sin. This is not the world as God intended it to be. This is not Eden life as it should be. Someday, someday, we've read the end of the story. Someday he will return and so we will return to Eden. But in this moment now we live among the ruins. Sin entered into the world. The fruit of sin is death. Eternal death, but, but also right these cousins of death. These cousins of death. Pain and suffering and sorrow. But, but there's something more I want you to see here. The enemy, he, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. And you know, one of the lies, one of the lies that the enemy, he's so cunning. He's so crafty. We, we may not even always see it or, or hear it or understand it as a lie from the enemy, but, but there's a lie that the enemy continues to whisper in our ears today. And it goes something like this. Well, you're not a sinner. You're not a sinner. You're not, you're not so bad. You know, those people, you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Those people, that, that's the sinners over there. But, but you're kind and you're nice. You're a good person. You're, you're a good neighbor. You aren't a sinner. You, you don't need a savior. For some of us, we buy into that lie. That we can just live a good life, a moral life, and it's enough. But I'm here to tell you today, that's, that's a lie. That's a lie. The Apostle Paul, thousands of years after Genesis chapter 3, right? Thousands of years later, this is what the Apostle Paul would say. He, he would say in Romans 3, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That, that every single one of us falls short of the glory of God. We can't be good enough. You can, be, you can volunteer and serve and do everything you can to be moral. You can't be on your own. Your righteousness is not enough. All are sinners, and we all fall short of God's glory. A holy God and us sinners. Later in Romans 5, he, he would say it this way. Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through that sin in the same way death came to all people because now all have sinned see the truth is we are all sinners and we fall short we fall short of God's glory the road to the cross began the moment sin entered into the world because the moment sin entered into the world we were doomed we were doomed we had no hope on our own. We couldn't save ourselves. We needed a savior. This past week, we had a, a staff meeting here at, at our church, and we get to gather with our, our leaders uh, across our campuses and, and, and our pastors, our administrative staff, everybody, about 25 of us in one room. And so um, in these COVID seasons, we've done a lot of that kind of digitally, but for the first time in like three months, we got together all spread out in the room, like as far as we could, you know, but still be together. And it was, it was a powerful moment. We got to worship together. We got to encourage one another. But just like any team that you work with, or, you know, we have these blind spots sometimes. We have things that we need to work on. And so we were discussing together as a team one of these issues. 
one of these kind of growing pains of working together and doing ministry and partnering alongside of each other. And so as we were trying to, together as a team, just kind of get to the bottom of some of the issues that we were experiencing, the question was just kind of asked really bluntly, what's the problem? What's the problem? And on the other side of the room, my friend Sam, uh, Sam Montanez raised his hand. Some of you know Sam. He's our pastor and leads our Esperanza Viva campus. And Sam's a wise, wise, not, he's not old, you know, just a little seasoned, you know, but, but he's wise. He's had a lot of ministry experience, a lot of life experience, and he raised his hand. And the question was this, what is the problem? And Sam raised his hand, and you know what he said? He said, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. And, and it, was a, it was a powerful moment. I'm just here to tell you. I was talking to some of our staff later, and it, it was kind of the moment that changed the conversation. And it changed the conversation not because we were all off the hook and said, yeah, you're right, Sam, it's your fault, man. We were just waiting for you to admit it. No, no, no. It was powerful because what, what was happening in that moment is Sam was recognizing, he was owning the problem and how he, whether he, he meant to or not, was contributing to it. And what he was saying in that moment is, it would be easy for me to focus on everyone else, but I've got to stop and look in the mirror and say, hey, I'm, I'm the problem. I'm the one contributing to this problem. It was a powerful moment. It was a powerful moment. His transparency caused each of us to look in the mirror, to acknowledge how, how we might be contributing to the problem too. Why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story because the truth is when it comes to sin, I am the problem. I'm the problem. And not to let you off the hook today, so are you. So are you today. We don't have a mirror to look in today, but whether you're watching online or here in the room, you can just look down at your hands today and just admit, I am the problem. I'm the problem. Each of us is. Each of us is. When it comes to sin, I I'm the problem. I, I want to close today with two really simple statements, but I think they're powerful. And I think they're, they're profound. I think if you let them, they can shape this journey that we're on over these next couple weeks that will lead us to the cross. And the, the first statement is this. The power of sin is great. The power of sin is great. I just want to let that statement sit there for a minute. Why? Because it's painful. And it hurts. It's vulnerable to admit that the power of sin, my sin, remember, I'm the problem, right? So the power of sin, my sin is great. We don't like conflict, at least I don't. I love to do anything I can to avoid it or get rid of it. So, so to just let that sit here for a moment and to acknowledge, to acknowledge that my sin hurts, my sin destroys, my sin divides. My sin is a powerful, toxic, destructive cancer. It is killing me and it will kill everyone around me that I love. The power of sin is great. Pause here with me. What do we do? We like to fast forward. We like to move ahead at one and a half speed, don't we? But pause here with me for a moment and acknowledge. Acknowledge I'm the problem. My, my sin is great. The power 
of my sin is great. I, I am hopeless on my own. But some of you think that's the end of the story. Some of you think that's the end of the journey. But today, the good news is that it's not because the road to the cross began in the garden, but it didn't end there. The power of sin is great, but the good news today is that the power of the cross is greater. And see, we can't get, we like this part. We love this part. But we want to fast forward through this part. And you can't really understand the power of the cross until you acknowledge the power of your sin. You can't really get to the good news until you stop and acknowledge that I am the problem. My sin, the power of my sin is great. But today the good news for us is that the power of the cross is greater. The moment... Look, the moment that sin entered into the world, God began his redemption plan. God loved you enough. Yes, you. You. He loved you enough that his redemption plan began the moment that sin entered into the world in the garden. His plan to redeem you, to restore you, to heal you. It began. You are not, listen, listen, you are not hopeless today. You are not The power of sin is great, but the power of the cross is greater. You have incredible hope today because no matter how great your sin may be, no matter how great the sin of your past may be, no matter for some of us today, maybe you're walking in sin today and you feel that power right now in your heart. The cross is greater. The cross is greater. And today... We're just going to hit pause. As your life, maybe you're going at one and a half speed and you're just going and you're moving and you're moving today. I I just, could you hit pause with me for a moment? Could we just sit here in this moment? We're going to allow the Lord to work here in this moment in our hearts and in our lives to acknowledge, for some of us to acknowledge the weight of our sin our need for a savior, our need for the cross. Today, some of us, some of us here in the room, some of us watching on the line, we we might need to repent. That that word literally means to turn. It it means like I'm living for me and I'm walking in sin, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to acknowledge that the power of my sin is great, but I'm going to turn from it. I'm going to turn around and go the other direction because of the help and the power of God at work because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from sin. Some of us today, might, we might need to do some repenting. Some of us in the room, we, we need to pause in this moment and just declare and say, I'm, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. Sometimes I make sin about everyone else and what they're doing. But, but today, I, the power of my sin is great. I'm the problem. We're just going to allow the presence of the Lord to speak and to minister today to broken places, to reveal sin, reveal brokenness, needs that need to be confessed. Here's good news today. God finishes. God finishes what he starts. And today, and today we begin our road to the cross, but we can be free because he completed it. He completed it. 
I'm going to invite you online and and here in the room. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? We're just creating time and space. We have to hit pause sometimes. We don't do it naturally very well. So so we just want to offer a time, a moment, to acknowledge the, the weight of our sin, but that the power of the cross is so much greater. As we close today, I want to read a a prayer. It's right out of Scripture. You might be familiar with it, but it's not going to be on the screen. I'm not going to ask you to open your copy of Scripture today. I want this to be a prayer, and so I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes with me. Remove distraction. Hit pause on everything else right now. These words are from the psalmist. Psalm 51, as David is acknowledging sin and brokenness, that has destroyed his life and so many others. And he comes to this moment. And if I were to summarize these verses that we're gonna pray together in just a minute, I I would summarize it by saying the power of sin is great, but the power of the cross is greater. So as we pause in this moment, would would you just pray, would you lean into these words with me? Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, Lord. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.